Welcome to episode 81 of the Martin Bailey Photography Podcast. Today I'm going to answer a question that I received by mail from listener John Grant about what in a scene I choose to meter from for optimum exposure. John asks, would you discuss exposure and how you get the best possible from what to look at, uh, what to look for in a scene and uh, where to place the meter of your camera? For example, do you choose the highlights to meter from a scene or something else? So thanks for this great question, John. I'll go ahead and explain what I uh, look for in a scene and the metering modes uh, that I use and why. And we'll also get into some um, histograms. I'm going to show a few histograms as well. Much of what I say about histograms, or at least uh, the checking of them in the field, will not be relevant to film users, but the histogram is a key part of my shooting these days. And I wouldn't be able to talk about uh, metering uh, and the confirmation of results without getting into some details. So if you're a film user, please bear with us on this. Uh, but if you're scanning your film and post-processing in a tool like uh, Lightroom or Photoshop, the histogram discussion will still be relevant. So anyway, let's see if I can explain my methods in a way that will help John and all of you in some way. Well, it turns out that John's question is formatted in such a way that it really does help me to answer because it's very important to think about the scene that you're about to photograph before you consider what to meter on and how to use that information. The first thing that I do when getting ready to shoot a scene is to look and think about what's in the scene. And obviously this is something that I'm going to do anyway. Um from a comp compositional perspective, but I also start taking note of the light in the scene at the same time. If the scene is relatively evenly lit, without too many highlights, whites or other bright colours, or too many dark uh, shadows or large black uh, or dark coloured objects, then it's all really quite easy. I can just throw my camera into aperture priority mode and leave the exposure compensation at zero and start shooting. I will, though, still take a look at the histogram after the first shot or so to make sure that I'm not overexposing anything. Uh, and I find that with digital, unless the main subject I'm trying to depict is in deep shadow, I rarely worry too much about the shadows at all. Um, there will be times when we will need to make sure that there's, there's some detail left in the shadow, uh, but far more often, uh, it will be the highlights that we have to take care of. I've said uh, a number of times that I believe that we should always try to get exposure as close as possible in the field, and I'm really not comfortable with the uh, current trends towards sloppy shooting and then fixing things in post-processing. Of course, everyone's entitled to their own way of shooting, but I personally want to give my images the best chance that they have um, and if you know if you shoot a great photo, then the first thing you have to do is push the raw uh, or the JPEG even uh, file by two or three stops to just to get a usable image. Then you're not really giving it much of a chance in life. Anyway, um, whether we're talking highlights or shadows, one thing that uh, we always have to bear in mind 
is if depicting your subject in the way that you like depends on having detail in either the highlights or the shadows, then you have to get the exposure right or close to right uh, while you're out in the field. Once you hit total black or pure white, uh, there's going to be no detail to draw out of these areas of your shot. So no amount of post-processing uh, will bring it back, no matter what tools or techniques you use. So let's talk a little about the histogram, our main tool for checking to see if we're on the right track. You may have heard that a histogram should be a nice hill or a mountain shape with a peak or a number of peaks around the middle and the slopes of the hill are sort of tapering off to the right and left sides. And this is a good description of a histogram for a, an averagely lit, or I suppose I should say a properly exposed scene without too much dynamic range. That is, without uh, too much highlight or shadow. Not a perfect example, but let's take a look at a shot from last Saturday, as it's still fresh in my mind. I'm not going to go into details about uh, the shot itself, uh, but rather concentrating on the histogram. If you are going to view the image by punching the number into my website's top page or podcast page, it's number 1366. Now, if you're listening to this episode as an enhanced podcast, uh, and that is uh, in iTunes or on an iPod that supports enhanced podcasts, then um, you'll be able to see the image right now, and we'll take a look um, at the histogram in a moment. If you're following in another tool, though, and you would like to look at the histograms and the images, then um, I think the best thing will be for you to um, look at them on my forum. I'm going to create a companion post for this episode on martinbaileyphotography.com and I'll put a link to that uh, post in the show notes. And in there, I'll put the Lightroom windows, um, in just like screenshots uh, from my computer that will have the picture, the photograph that we're looking at, and the histogram. For the uh, enhanced podcast listeners, though, uh, in a moment, if you look, you'll see that the histogram is actually there as, a, as an attached image. So you can just uh, you can continue to follow on your iPod or in iTunes if that suits you. For now, though, let's look at the image. Uh, you'll see some nice, pretty pink uh, cher cherry blossom, uh, the flowers from the, the cherry blossom or the cher flowering cherry trees. And I'm going to get into how I shoot um and some of the metering modes uh, that I use as well uh, as we start to go through the explanations for these. Uh, but for now, just note that I was using uh, my camera in manual mode as opposed to aperture priority, and the metering mode was centre-weighted. You can see that there are lots of bright areas in the shot, and there are a darker background, um, at least darker than the flowers. Uh, this is why I switched to manual mode. Next, though, I'm going to display the histogram for this shot in the Enhanced Podcast. I'll throw uh, just the histogram file into the MP3 version as well, in case you're flicking through the images yourself in iTunes. Otherwise, though, as I say, go to my uh, website if you, if you want to follow along um, and you don't, you don't have the ability to look at the uh, histogram right now. Uh, so you'll be able to see that this first histogram is a pretty typical one. We'll see 
that we have some nice rounded sort of hills on the right hand side which is uh, going to be those uh, nice pink flowers and and as we look across to just left of center we can see multiple peaks which represent the slightly darker areas of the background we can tell from this histogram that no areas are over or underexposed we know this because the histogram slopes off nicely at the uh, both the the right and the left sides which means there's no clipping that in other words means that none of the data in this shot is exceeding the dynamic range of the camera the camera itself's capturing ability so before we go on and look at some other examples and their histograms let's talk about metering modes how i metered this shot and why most of the time you'll probably uh, be perfectly fine using your camera's evaluative metering mode this is where the camera takes uh, meter readings from the whole frame and uses a multitude of algorithms to guess what you are uh, after what you're shooting sometimes i believe and what you're hoping to get um, from what i hear uh, it does a, a pretty good job of setting your exposure and i say uh, from what I hear because I've only heard that this metering mode is getting quite reliable these days I personally got used to using center weighted average metering some years ago and I've just never switched back note that I'm using the Canon definition of center weighted here as well which is where the camera meters the entire scene but um, gives the gives priority or weights the exposure to the values metered from the center of the frame um, please don't confuse this uh, with partial metering which is where the uh, center eight percent of the scene is metered or uh, spot metering which is where just the center 3.5 percent of the scene is metered and if you're a Nikon user I believe Nikon uses the word center weighted to refer to what Canon calls partial partial metering. So, if I'm not covering your own camera's uh, technology, and then you know, please just go and uh, check your manual yourself uh, for information on the various metering modes available. I find though that uh, for me, center weighted center weighted just fits my shooting style. I probably use it for ninety ninety percent, probably uh, more accurately, probably ninety eight percent of what I shoot is uh, you know it's probably going to be done in center weighted uh, metering mode and I just feel that it gives me a less computed straight reading from the light in the scene so I know what what to expect from experience and I know when I'm going to need to use exposure compensation and when I'll be okay I may well uh, be able to get away with using exposure comp uh, without using exposure compensation as much as I do if I was to use um, evaluative metering uh, but I just don't seem to be able to kick the habit of using uh, center weighted so by all means though for yourself if you're using this and are happy with it uh, you know the evaluative evaluative metering then continue to do so I'm not I'm not suggesting that you change your own shooting style the other metering mode is um, that I use is spot metering not all cameras have this and before buying the Canon EOS 5D which does have it I used the partial metering which as I mentioned just now it's it's the center 8% of the frame 
Um, but spot metering uh, uses the center 3.5% uh, of the frame. And again, um, this, I believe, can vary by camera, so please check your, camera, your camera's manual if you want really accurate figures. Anyway, as I know that the pink blossom in the scene that we've just looked at are uh, quite light in color and are likely to require around plus one stop of exposure compensation, I can just spot meter uh, because the target's very small and meter from one of the flowers and in this shot I chose uh, to spot meter from the flower just left and slightly above center which is also the flower that I focused on. This is probably the first actual straight answer that uh, I've given for part of John's question. So I meter from uh, the highlights and when appropriate uh, the same part as the scene that I'm going to be focusing on, uh, the main subject. I will then use uh, that as a base for any exposure compensation that I know will be necessary. If you'd rather not use manual mode, you can do this uh, set in your camera uh, to say plus you know one stop of exposure compensation because we know that the flower is quite a, quite a light color and then once you've spot metered from it, push your exposure lock button. Uh, this will hold the exposure for a number of seconds while you recompose the shot. And this, of course, is not necessary if you're actually metering from something that's in the center of the frame because you're not going to be recomposing at all. You could just go ahead and shoot, shoot away. So if your scene includes something large, uh, you know, large areas of very bright or very dark areas, um, I would remain in cent I personally would remain in center weighted uh, metering mode and uh, as opposed to switching to spot that is and I only use really spot metering for getting uh, the readings from a very small object or part of the scene let's take a look at another example which is image number 1203 in which we can see a shot of a red crowned crane from my December 2006 trip in Hokkaido Note how the bird and the snow in the background make up most of the shot, yet it's not underexposed. When I'm shooting these white birds or anything that I want to shoot that may uh, move from uh, a light background, such as the snow in this shot, to a dark background, like the, the dark trees that form a, a backdrop for this, for this particular location, I usually switch to manual mode again. As I mentioned earlier, um, it, I just take a, meter, a reading from something that I know is the same color as the subject in preparation for something uh, that, you know, for when something actually starts happening. Like with this uh, bird here, um, you know, it came up close to the fence and had I not been already prepared, I probably would have been fumbling around trying to get the, um, the exposure right. Um, so, in, in the case of these cranes, they're the same color as um, the snow, obviously both white, both pure white. So the first thing that I do when I turn up to shoot these cranes is to set my camera to manual mode and point it down at the snow, filling the frame with it. And having set my aperture for the required depth of field, I adjust the shutter speed while looking through the finder, keeping my eye on the exposure indicator. That uh, carrot thing that moves uh, up and down uh, the scale on the indicator and that basically tells you how much higher or lower than zero your exposure is. 
Remember that the camera is trying to make everything 18% grey and it doesn't know that I'm pointing my camera at a totally white scene. So I have to use my own calculator, that uh, storage device between my ears, uh, to recall how much I have to compensate for snow. And I know that that's around one and one third to one and two thirds of a stop uh, plus exposure compensation, that is. Um, and that's that's for a relatively bright day. You put, on a dull day or a very overcast day, you might go a little lower. But once the carrot is pointing to one and two thirds above zero while pointing my camera at a totally white scene, I know that I'm I'm set to go. So I will again then shoot a few test shots and check the histogram before things start to heat up. Once you're set up, no matter what the uh, colour of the background is, I know that I'm going to get perfectly exposed cranes and snow. If the light changes, uh, I will of course have to change my exposure. So I tend to keep an eye out for light changes and repeat this exercise throughout the day. Uh, especially in the first and the last few hours of the day when the light changes quite quickly. Note that if there was no snow, um, but I still wanted to avoid exposure mistakes, I'd probably just switch to spot meter in here as well, and again, just meter off one of the birds themselves, even if they were quite a distance away. So let's now take a look at the histogram for this shot as well. This time you'll see a large spike over on the right side, but not touching the right shoulder. This represents all white in the shot. There are various shades of grey in the background uh, made by the texture in the snow, uh, which we can see by a very small band of information across the bottom um, centre of the histogram to the left. And then at the left, there's a couple of small spikes again. And these are, of course, the dark grey and the black of the bird's neck and tail feathers. You can see that I'm perhaps even touching the left side here, uh, but there isn't a spike, and this means that some parts of this um, black are perhaps clipping, but uh, you know more than likely just very dark, you know, actual total black. Um, but I'm not going to worry about that, as I would much sooner see nice pure whites um, than you know if I'd have started metering for the blacks, I'd have seen a little bit more detail there, but the the whites would have been um, more closer to grey. Um, anyway, the, you know the the tail feathers we can see some detail in there, and we see nice pure white, which is what I was after. Note too before we move on that the photo here is exactly as was captured. This is the raw file. Um, I'm talking about the one on the website now with the Lightroom window capture. So this is the actual raw shot and the only thing that you'll notice is that I have left the Lightroom default of adding plus 50 to the brightness. I'm not sure right now why it is uh, this by default and I've actually removed it um, for a while and then I, you know, when I first started using Lightroom but decided that most shots uh, seem to look, look okay or, and sometimes better with it and left it that way. I do reduce this uh, or remove it totally uh, if it causes a shot to start clipping though when I don't really want that. So let's take a look at um, some examples where I would uh, concentrate on the main subject even at the expense of the dark areas and sometimes even sort of playing off uh, of those dark areas for effect.
In image 1360, uh, shot last Friday morning, uh, which for the sake of those catching up on the archives uh, later was the 30th of March 2007. Uh, here we'll see again some cherry blossom flowers um, and this time against a very dark background. Uh, I'm not going to go into much detail about the shot um, as I might well do a podcast on these images in the near future. But what I need to say is that I was shooting these flowers shortly after it stopped raining for um, two reasons. One is uh, not so relevant here uh, because basically I wanted to capture the blossom with some droplets still on them. And the second and more relevant reason is because when it rains, cherry blossom trees, and I guess many trees, bark becomes very dark in colour. And this enables me to get a, the very effect that I was aiming for, uh, which we can see here. There's so much contrast between the bright blossom and the trunk that I have no way of capturing both uh, with my camera's sensor's dynamic range. Uh, now, I know that somebody uh, is already thinking of mailing me about HDR or high dynamic range technology over, to overcome this, but please don't miss the point here. This is what I'm after. I want these dark areas. This is what I was visualizing when I um, put my camera over my shoulder on uh, Friday morning on the way to the office for my day job. So let's take a look at the histogram for this image as well. We can see now that I have a small, pretty broad hump across the right side of this histogram, stopping just short of the right shoulder. This is, of course, the cherry blossom itself. Then there is almost no information for most of the left uh, half of the histogram until we get to the last 10% or so, uh, where we can see a large spike going right the way um, up to the left side and, and way up the, actually up the left side um, to the top of the histogram. So as we can see in the shot, this is representing the total black uh, in many uh, parts of the wet bark that contain absolutely no detail whatsoever. I chose to go this way uh, to not only allow me to capture the uh, flower faithfully, but also to increase the contrast between the main subject and the background. Here again, I'm metering for the highlights, so that's three out of three. Um, I, it's becoming pretty consistent, and, I, and I'm, I'm hoping that you can see a pattern here. Let's look finally, though, at an example of where I haven't metered for the highlights, and I have, in fact, just let them uh, totally overexpose and blow out. In shot number 1369, we can see a cherry blossom tree shot from below uh, with a wide-angle lens. In fact, I'm not going to talk about this today, but I'm really excited because this was shot with a new Canon EF 16-35mm f2.8L2 USM lens. Uh, the two Roman numerals there, it's the updated version of this lens. Uh, all I can say for now, uh, all, I, all, all I want to say for now, is that after shooting a few shots today, uh, including the one that we're looking at right now, Canon have made a very good job of redesigning this lens. Anyway, in this shot we can see that I have exposed for the small batch of 
uh, blossom near the bottom of the tree trunk, allowing the overcast, overcast sky uh, that's visible through the canopy to be uh, totally overexposed. Let's again look at the histogram for this shot, and we'll see that this time, because the tree trunk was not wet, even the even with exposing exposing for the uh, flowers, the tree trunk is not lost in the shadows. We can see this by looking at the small peaks to the left of the histogram. They're touching the left uh, shoulder, but not spiking at all. And um, and then there's a steady slope going. Uh, from the left third getting higher and higher towards the right uh, which is all of the pink blossom across the frame and then the nice big fat spike on the right shoulder there this is the overcast sky that is totally blown out at the top of the shot so actually I'm saying the top of the shot I'm thinking this probably more because I was looking up at this um, it's across most of the shot this was of course intentional, uh, it was an overcast day so the sky had nothing to add to the shot so I used its brightness to add this sort of beautiful surreal effect um, to the flowers in the canopy. I was again in manual mode but could have used any of the techniques mentioned uh, today to me to this. I'm really just showing you this uh, for an example of when I'll not expose for the highlights. I must admit though, this is not all that often. Um, I, I used this uh, image today as I shot this uh, this morning and it was sort of fresh in my mind and it just seemed to fit the bill. Also, I didn't want to go searching through my gallery for another example. So we'll start to wind up a little here, uh, but basically if you're not really sure uh, what part of your shot you should meter from, um, you know, but or you're also not sure either uh, that it's going to be a straightforward uh, just trust my camera's meter exposure. Switching to spot meter or partial metering uh, if you don't have uh, spot metering and then just sort of taking a reading from various parts of the shot uh, that you are concerned about will often help. Although you can do this uh, in aperture priority or shutter priority uh, by noting how the shutter speed or the aperture settings change. It's far easier to switch to manual mode and then just watch that little carrot move up and down the exposure indicator in the viewfinder. Uh, you might find that some areas of the shot are actually a little brighter or darker than others. Um, well, you're, you're almost, unless you're shooting a grey card, you will find that. Um, but this will start to guide you in your decision as to what to meter for. If you don't have uh, much time to play around or you, you still don't know what to meter from, um, but you're still worried, you want to, you want to um, take more control, then just try to find something uh, mid-toned in your scene. If you're outside, a good thing is like grey rocks or if you're in the city, you know, concrete uh, pavements or sidewalks. And if you're shooting digital, you can just sort of have a look at the, the histogram and you can always just take a, text, a test shot and check it and then adjust your exposure accordingly. Also, if you can select an RGB histogram in the custom settings of your camera, I suggest you, you do so. 
it will really help you to spot if just one of the colors is blowing out because this is not always noticeable on the standard sort of brightness uh, histograms where you just have the, the white um, or gray mountains there. Uh, red, for example, might be hitting the right shoulder in a photograph of a field of poppies in bright sunlight, like the ones I shot last summer. Um, but when viewing this in normal averaged out uh, light histograms, then it's not always going to show. If you use an RGB histogram, you'd be able to see that the red is clipping very easily and reduce your exposure accordingly. So in summary, I basically expose for the highlights uh, pretty much all of the time. This is because the highlights in uh, digital photo are the first uh, place that I, I feel really stand out when exposure is a little off. And I think in most shots, um, un unless we're talking about ones like the last ones we looked at, most of the time, um, you know, ex overexposed parts, blown out parts of the shot will show up a lot more than say, for example, totally black shadows if we, uh, if we go the other way. So this is not a hard rule though. And as uh, in the last example, you know, like I said, we, we might want the highlights to blow out um, sometimes as well. It's, it's really just one of the artistic decisions that we make. So um, we shouldn't uh, finish without mentioning that uh, highlights will, you know, blown out highlights will bleed. Uh, if you have an area of overexposure, the light tends to spill over into the neighboring pixels and you'll lose detail in darker areas close by too. This may be uh, the effect you're after and there is a, a certain amount of that in the last shot. So again, it's not a hard fast rule, but keep it in mind as it might not always be what works for you. Uh, also, I mentioned uh, HDR or eye dynamic range images earlier. This is something that I've uh, not really gotten into very much, although I'd like to. Uh, basically, you shoot multiple exposures um, and you know of the same scene, usually bracketed shots, and then use Photoshop or uh, some other tools uh, to blend the uh, shots together to create a single image with a very wide dynamic range. Uh, much wider than any of the current cameras on the market can create. This is an, an option and I, I, it might be, might be for you, so worth bearing in mind. Uh, like I say, I'd like to take a little bit of a more look into this in the near future. Also, I have mentioned in previous episodes about using gradual neutral density filters or blending multiple images in Photoshop to get around dynamic range limitations of your camera. Um, but that's not really what we want to get into today. Um, the general sort of aspects of metering and what to meter and uh, and when and how I change the, the way I do this. So finally, you'll have noticed that I called this episode metering for optimum exposure, not uh, correct exposure. Uh, in the past, I used the term correct exposure and was promptly taken to task uh, on this, and rightly so. As uh, the photographer, we decide how we want uh, to portray the world captured in our images. Uh, we might decide to use high-key or low-key techniques in which uh, certain areas um, may well be well over or underexposed. But if that's what we're aiming for as artists, then it becomes correct uh, in a certain sense. So by saying optimum, though, I suppose optimal work, uh, I'm 
giving you uh i'm giving us the leeway to make the uh ex exposure exactly how we want it to be and uh, not some predetermined correct exposure if there could be such a thing So that's it for today. Thanks very, very much to John Grant for the great question, and I hope that I've answered it sufficiently. If anything remains unclear, please do drop me a line and I'll try to provide more information in an update later. Remember that if there's anything that any of you have questions about as well, anyone else, uh, please do drop me a line or record an audio message using the Mobotalk applet on the top page at martinbaileyphotography.com. If it's something that I already understand and have experience with, I should be able to get around to doing an episode on it at some point. So anyway, with that, I'd just like to say thanks for listening and have a great week doing whatever you do. Bye-bye. Photocastnetwork.com your photography resource in the potosphere.